Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church Online. My name is Ian Clark, and I'm excited to be continuing on in this message series called Don't Miss This. I'd like to start off by telling you a little bit about myself. I'm 28 years old, newly married, living here in Southern California. I'm training for full-time ministry in the Antioch Training Program and currently working for Penske Truck Leasing. In this series, we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, looking to see the lessons we don't want to miss from King Solomon's life. It's funny, God timed the ask for me to give this message right on the heels of an experience at a job where I was challenged in the area of pursuing advancement. And that's today's topic for our message, the pursuit of advancement. I'd taken a job as a salesman for a security alarm company. I thought this job was going to be my gateway to the achievement and status that I really desired. I had been told throughout my life that I'd be a decent salesman. So I approached the job like, this should be a piece of cake. My natural personality and wiring will carry me to the riches and attention that I want. So I started the job, really motivated to learn and get started making sales. But working as a salesman is a lot different than working in a warehouse. I had previously worked in logistics at a warehouse and in the warehouse, every task was measured. Your schedule was, struc- was uh, structured with very little wiggle room. With the sales job, there was no set schedule. You set the schedule. I quickly ran into the problem of being given everything I wanted. All the free time in the world. The problem was, it was during that free time that work was to be done during the day. Very quickly, I found myself lying to coworkers, avoiding calls from my boss, and bullheadedly refusing to learn from coworkers unless it was on my terms. And it was at this point, God got a hold of me and convicted me that I was in sin. Through the year and a few months at this job, God revealed to me the deeper motivations of my heart and my responses when I wasn't getting what I wanted. Now, I want to direct our attention to the word contentment. What picture comes to your mind when you hear the word contentment? For some of us, it could be relaxing at the beach. And this, what this represents is having the resources to do what you want, when you want, and no one to stop you. You can have as much fun as you want. Now, for others of us, it might be family life. If you're single, it might be, once I get married, life will be perfect. If you're married, maybe you're saying, once we have that house, that car, that vacation, or maybe once we have kids, then life will be as it should be, and I can rest content. I know for my wife and I, we're in this season right now where we really want kids. But there's always that possibility we won't be able to. Now I want to define contentment. Contentment is a state of happiness or satisfaction. Now satisfaction, it's a related word. I want to define that as well. And satisfaction is defined as fulfillment of one's wishes, expectations, or needs, or the pleasure derived from it. Now conversely, discontentment could be defined as lack of fulfillment, 
of one's wishes, expectations, or needs, or the pleasure derived from this. Now, keep that image you came up with when you heard contentment, and then answer this question. When will you have made it there? Solomon in Ecclesiastes has a lot to say about this idea of contentment. How it's gained, what it looks like, how it feels. And he most likely addressed yours and my version of contentment. I know for me he did. If there's potential for that list above, we went through not to bring us contentment, then what will? Today, we're going to be looking specifically at the issue of contentment and how it relates to the pursuit of advancement. Now, turning to Ecclesiastes, Solomon shares this in chapter 2, verse 24. There is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I have seen that even this is from God's hand. Because who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? Solomon uses strong language saying that there is nothing better than for a person to enjoy his work. What prevents us from this? Work in the Hebrew carries the idea of laboring intensively for the purpose of producing something. And enjoy, the word enjoy denotes a revealing of what is satisfying. Solomon's saying gives us a pursuit here to uncover a life of satisfaction in the hard work and what we produce through it. You'll see in your program, Two Truths and a Lie. And I'm going to share with you these two truths and one lie as they relate to pursuing advancement according to Solomon. These are meant to help guide our ambitions and to help us toward uncovering enjoyment in our pursuit of advancement. So here's the first truth. God appoints the seasons of our lives. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, this is out of the Amplified Version, Solomon writes, There is a season, a time appointed, for everything, and a time for every delight, an event, or purpose under heaven. Solomon lists the seasons in life and says that God appoints them. And I like the word appointed specifically uh, because it denotes God's choice. I had a mentor, I was going through another hard circumstance, and I had a mentor say to me, this circumstance you are in was handpicked by God. Now, there's a lot of things in the list that Solomon gives that I would say are not positive. He lists a time to count something as loss, a time to weep, a time to kill, a time to die. I was like, why, God? Why are these appropriate in their time? The season I described was really hard and uncomfortable, and I didn't understand it. Like I said earlier, the problem I had was I was motivated by the wrong things. I was relying on my own wiring to bring me the success I wanted. But by month number two on the job as a salesman, the amount of freedom in my schedule revealed I had other motivations for laziness that I wasn't aware of. I was living my best life, quote-unquote. Using my time as I wanted not being directed by anyone. In my sixth month, due to my lack of sales activity, I did not make one sale. At the beginning of the seventh month, I received a write-up for my lack of production. I was shocked. I hadn't received a write-up at work for anything up to that point. But now, here I am, in what is supposed to be a job made for my personality, but I was in trouble. How? It didn't make sense to me. On this side of things, I could see that God was disciplining me. 
And the good news is, God disciplines those he loves, so that they would experience benefit and share in his holiness. And this season was fitting. Fitting to reveal my strategy to lie, to work hard only when I wanted to for myself, and to refuse to act on the direction that my boss was setting. Now, here's the second truth. It's that enjoyment comes from God. Ecclesiastes 5, 18-20 in the CSB version says, Here's what I have seen to be good. It is appropriate to eat and drink and experience good in all the labor one does under the sun during the few days of his life God has given him. Because that's his reward. Furthermore, everyone to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has also allowed him to enjoy them, take his reward, and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God. For he does not often consider the days of his life, because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. Now without God, where do we receive purpose and meaning from? Our pursuits tend to be in the external so that that can fill the void with attention, praise, and envy that we can get from other people. Solomon tells us this in Ecclesiastes 4.4. He says, I saw that all labor and all skillful work is due to one person's jealousy of another. This too is futile and a pursuit of the wind. As I was working at this company, I worked with a few friends from our church. And it was so hard watching them succeed and hit their sales goals while mine were just inconsistent. It was some months I would hit, some months I wouldn't, some months I'd get a little bit, some months I'd get a lot. I'd be lying if I said I worked free of the motive to do better than them. I remember seeing a report that showed our conversion rate on different leads that would come into the company. And immediately, I began comparing myself to my friends, eager to see how I stacked up. I was looking at those numbers to uh, fulfill me. With God, we receive purpose and meaning from enjoying His purpose for us. God wired us as men and women to have authority over creation and to work under His authority to give ourselves through intense labor to bless the world by bringing out its fullest potential. Genesis 128 reads, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. But Solomon tells us that God is the one who allows us to enjoy it. That word allow means to give power or ability to. It means to enable. God unlocks the perspective to enjoy what is right in front of us and all that our labor produces. What can this look like? We encounter so many moments within a day. When God unlocks this perspective, we can begin to see these little moments as sprays of delight and fulfillment. That feeling of accomplishment you get from completing a large project that took a lot of effort is because you are doing what God wired you to do as a human being. That drink of water on a hot day after working on your yard God provided the ability for your body to experience refreshment from that. That meal on a Friday at the end of a long work week, where you can savor your food and chew just a little bit longer, hoping to draw out as much of the flavor as possible. God gave you ability to enjoy that. At each of these moments, if we can slow down enough to be in that moment, we can enjoy it 
and thank God for the gift of life. Now here's the lie. The lie is this. You must try harder to attain contentment. This lie drove me to work harder. To read more, book, uh, to read more books. Learn how to win more sales. It drove me to do more door-to-door cold calling. It drove me to attempt to find rest in what I could achieve and what others would think or say of me because of what I achieved. And this line negates the very gospel Christians stand on. Henry Nouwen uh, is an author from the Catholic tradition, and he talks about this idea in his book, Life of the Beloved. Here's what he says. Success, popularity, and power can indeed present a great temptation. But their seductive quality often comes from the way they are a part of a much larger temptation of self-rejection. We have come to believe in the voices that call us worthless and unlovable. Then success, popularity, and power are easily perceived as attractive solutions to our desolate condition. The good news is we don't have to try harder. But why? Because God loves us. He demonstrated it by sending his son to die for us, even while we rejected and hated him. Soaking in the truth that I am the object of God's love brings joy and kills the idea that if that I am loved only if I succeed in pursuing advancement. No amount of success, popularity, or power can bring rest to our hearts in the way that only God can. So once again, Solomon is saying, don't miss this. Don't miss God who is in control of all things and enables mankind to enjoy the life he has given us. Now I want to give us a key attitude and a key action to take. They can act as a springboard into a life that is occupied with joy. So here's the first attitude. It's the humble fear of the Lord. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 2, Guard your steps. And focus on what you are doing as you go to the house of God. And draw near to listen, rather than to offer the careless or irreverent sacrifice of fools. For they are too ignorant to know what they are doing that is evil. Do not be hasty with your mouth, speaking careless words or vows, or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter before God. God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. And later on in the section in verse 7, he says, For in a multitude of dreams and in a flood of words, there is worthlessness. Rather, reverently fear God and worship him with awe-filled respect, knowing who he is. So that's the first attitude. We really need this attitude to posture ourselves, to be able to pursue advancement in a way that God is going to bless and in a way that we can truly enjoy it. Here's, here's an action you can take. Plant yourself in your church. The church is God's ordained environment for his people to grow into the kind of people who can pursue advancement and enjoy it. The best way to facilitate growth is by planting yourself in the right place with the right people. I was recently reading a book that had a helpful analogy from Beach Trees that relates well to this topic. So basically, a a beech tree acorn will fall to the forest floor, and over time take root, and a baby tree will begin to grow. Now, beech trees are known for the shade they provide through their large canopies. So how does this tree grow without much sunlight to conduct photosynthesis? 
The older trees around it send nutrients through their root system to the baby tree, which over time causes the trunk to grow durable and flexible, making it strong to endure uh, big gusts of wind and storms. If an older tree loses some branches during a large storm, some sunlight is able to get through to the forest floor. And this small tree now will experience quick growth as it photosynthesizes to its heart's desire. Once it reaches the top canopy, it now has the trunk strength and durability to handle the conditions of being that high up. And I thought this analogy was fitting because this is what we need as we pursue advancement. We need to be underneath those who are further along, who can supply the wisdom and the encouragement that can strengthen our character, making us people ready for the time when God gives us the advancement he has planned. I, uh, I was with a church friend who I also worked with at this alarm company. We were over at his house, and, and I was just venting about all of my woes, expressing a lot of bitterness and self-pity, and after I went home that day, God convicted me that I was just easily giving into discouragement and into grumbling about my circumstances. So I called this friend to verify, and I, I asked him, I said, hey, I'm hearing a lot of discouragement, um, a lot of self-pity. Is this what you're hearing? And he said yes. And then he really could give me some perspective that I really needed to hear so that I could begin to yield to God in the season that he had appointed. And this friend of mine, and our relationship, this way of relating has come through our time at OCC. I was being open and honest about where I was at, and he was giving me correction that I needed. And I'm so grateful for his gracious response. Solomon touches on this in Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12. through 12. He says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls... His companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So here's our two next here's our next steps. The first is have a quiet time. And let me let me uh, define this real quick. So first I want to read Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. So first, find a quiet place to be alone. Put away your phone. Put away your, your smart watch that you can get notifications on. Put that stuff away. Try and find a place where you can be alone and it can be quiet. And pray this prayer to God. Pray that he would search you. That he would help you know your anxious thoughts. And to identify, point out, if there's any offensive way in you. And then listen to what goes on internally. Maybe what will begin to spring up is, is discontentment. Maybe anger, maybe bitterness. And what you want to do is begin to find those sources. And that's the next step. After you've sat for a while, quiet and alone, write out your three, your primary sources of discontentment. Write out three. And once you've done that, <clears throat> bring those to God. Bring those to another person. Share them with them. 
Begin to see what God's word says about them. If it's discontentment, I'd want to know what God says more about what discontentment is and how I can find contentment. And here's the last thing you can do. Find wiser people who can help you pursue advancement God's way. You know, just like the beech tree analogy, we can really benefit from a slow rise to advancement. As we are soaking in the nutrients or the wisdom and the love and the encouragement from people who are further along than us, who can help strengthen our character to be able to handle and sustain the troubles that are going to come in a way that really pleases God. Now, I'm in my 20s, so a lot of what I'm sharing is coming from the perspective of a 20-year-old. But I would say to those of you who are older and have walked with Jesus longer, maybe you have families, kids, grandkids, identify someone in your life who maybe is, maybe they're in your life group. Maybe they're at your work. Maybe they're on your serving team. Identify them. See, that person could probably use your wisdom, love, and encouragement. My wife and I are are examples of the, we've experienced so much love, wisdom, and encouragement through more seasoned Christ followers who invited us over into their homes. It could have been just even for a meal, a game night, or even just to talk through some problems we were facing. But it's through those experiences that we've really been changed and are changing because we're getting to experience the love of Christ face to face. So for those of you who have been walking with God longer, think through who is that person and write down their name in the blank. The other thing I would do too is schedule it out. You know, there's a phrase that says, if it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't happen. So I write that person's name down and then maybe put, you know, tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow after work, I'm going to give them a call and see if they want to come over for, for dinner. Maybe over for coffee in the morning. But, but add it to the calendar. That'll really help to ensure it happens. So those are our three next steps. Um, let me pray real quick before we end. Father, thank you for the seasons that you appoint. Thank you that you've given us the Bible. And the Bible, Solomon is giving us these major key things in all these different areas of life, but specifically in pursuit of advancement that we don't want to miss, that are going to greatly benefit us. And so, Father, I pray that just after as we've gone through this message that you would highlight and bring to mind for those of us listening that we could take a next step, that something from this message would come to mind and we could take it and run with it. And we pray, God, that you would give us creativity and insight into how to apply this to our lives. What's a good next step? And God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that Jesus came and that there is immense freedom, that we don't need to exert ourselves into trying to earn something that has already been paid for on the cross. And we definitely want that freedom. So, Father, we thank you for all of these things. You pray that you bless the rest of our weeks in the name of Jesus. Amen. I hope this was helpful to you. It was a privilege to share with you, and I hope you join us for the rest of this message series. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.